the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to feature a conversation I recently recorded with Reed Wall. In addition to being an entrepreneur, Reed is also a student in our Executive MBA class of 2021, and he and I recently sat down to talk a little bit more about his MBA journey, what led him to Darden, and what he has enjoyed about the program so far. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Reed Wall. Reed, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Brett. All right. So tell us a little bit more about you. Who are you and uh, what's your background? Yeah. Um, well, I'm, my name is Reed Wall. Um, I'm a D.C. native. Um, grew up here, went to St. Albans High School, um, and then went to Colgate for undergrad. It was a 2009, uh, class of 2009 at Colgate. Uh, played lacrosse there. Um, since I graduated, I've uh, started and currently own a few men's clothing brands in Washington, D.C., um, and just started the Darden EMBA program uh, this year, class of 2021. So what attracted you to the clothing business? Uh, it, was, you know, it was something I'd always been interested in. Um, when I was in high school, I had to wear a coat and tie to, to school every day. Um, and you know, getting my dad's hand-me-down Brooks Brothers shirts, I kind of realized that you know, there was maybe some room for improvement in terms of fit and, and certain construction elements. Um, so when I was in college, I did uh, a couple of internships. I was one of the first interns at Vineyard Vines right when they were starting out. Um, got to see their uh, kind of skyrocketing success while I was there. And um, being a na- naive college graduate uh, in the middle of a recession, um, thought, you know, why couldn't I do that? So uh, I got a job for about eight months, um, you know, saved up some money, got my first run of shirts done. And, and uh, as soon as they came in, quit my job and started selling. Um, so wouldn't start a business like that again, but uh, it's, it was certainly a great learning experience. I feel like there's been so much conversation over the past uh, few years about the fashion industry, um, the way it's evolving, what it means to have a storefront these days, online, e-commerce. Um, what's that been like to be an entrepreneur in, in the midst of all of that? Yeah, there's been a ton of change um, in the clothing business and retail in general. Um, and it's been really uh, difficult but, but um, uh, exciting to navigate the, the new climate. Um, I, one of our businesses had... Um, about three or four brick, brick and mortar stores, um, and about a year and a half, two years ago, made the decision to um, flip the model to a digitally native platform, um, just to kind of fit the, the what the modern consumer is looking for. So uh, that required us to invest a lot in our technology, make the consumer experience better when we can't actually control it in person. Um, but it was a really cool challenge to to take on, and um, it's gone great so far. Well, let's talk about your clothing lines. Uh, you do some bespoke stuff, um, and I remember from your application, there's a lot of other other things that you do as well. Yeah, so we have um, a, a full bespoke clothing line uh, called Readwall, um, very original name, I know. Um, and then our, our main platform is a made-to-measure suit platform called Diplomat Outfitters, um, where we have a fit algorithm um, that we work with and uh, fit customers remotely um, using that algorithm, which is, is a great pr- uh, platform, a uh, great price point. Uh, we found a great um, factory relationship that uh, allows us to offer su- a super high quality product and allows customers to go all the way up the range of, um, of quality levels. Uh, and then we're also exploring a, a shoe brand right now that um, is kind of in its early stages, but uh, I think is going to start to pick up in the next couple of months. Yeah, I was curious about how you do uh made to order or, or fitted clothing 
in an online platform. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting process. Uh, we have a couple different ways that we fit customers. Um, as I mentioned, we have a fit algorithm uh, that's based on a huge database of body scan measurements, which are 100% correct because they're they're body scanned. Um, and then we use machine learning um, to take in all of those inputs uh, with a few others like age and um, you know certain demographic uh, criteria. Um, and based on a few questions that a customer can answer, uh, you know, things that they already know about themselves from buying clothes, we can then essentially triangulate every single one of their measurements to within about 97, 98% accuracy. Um, and then other customers want to have the old school uh, tape measure um, process. And so we have a fit form that we send to them and they can take it to their trusted tailor and get fit up that way. Wow. So did you imagine when you got in the clothing business that you'd be doing some machine learning? Absolutely not. No, I, I just thought we were going to be some, making some cool clothes and, and selling them on the Internet. But, um, you know, it, it really uh, goes to show that you can kind of you have to continue to to evolve and adapt as um, as you can as you learn your customer and you learn the market. Certainly seems like there's also a lot of competition. I'm just walking around uh, D.C. in the bespoke uh, tailored. Uh, yeah, it's very competitive now. A lot of uh, a lot of people are getting into it. We're lucky that we've been doing it for a little bit of a little bit of time, so um, we have a solid reputation and um, also have the advantage of actually knowing the business side of it. So um, we feel like we're pretty well positioned. Um, but you know, you always want to have to. You want to say one step ahead of your competitors, so it's good to kind of keep an eye on things. Well, I'm curious about sort of the customer acquisition strategy. Is it mostly word of mouth? Is it once a customer knows you, knows your product, then it's just sort of maintaining that relationship? I'm yeah, curious. it's a bit of both. And we, you know, a lot of brands now invest heavily in online customer acquisition. We have not done any of that. We are entirely word of mouth, um, which I think is the kind of truest form of customer acquisition. You get more, more loyal customers um, and it requires you to treat the, your current customers extremely well to make sure that they will go recommend your product to someone else. Do you have any of your classmates uh, starting to talk to you about, about suits? And a lot clothes? of them, yeah. Um, I guess they're still in businesses where they have to wear suits, so we're, we're happy to help. So I'm curious about... Um an MBA was it always part of the plan? Was it a relatively recent idea? Yeah, uh, you know, it's something that I've had on my mind for a little bit of time, um, but I guess only in the last year or so um, decided in earnest that I was going to going to go uh, get one. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I know I realized that you know in, in my professional career, looking to you know, with an eye kind of towards the future, what I want to be get into, which is private equity and possibly starting my own firm, um, doing acquisitions of other companies in our space, uh, or partnering with another larger firm. I knew that there were some, some fundamental skills that I needed to, um, needed to have to, to get into that. And that was kind of where the, the initial idea for an MBA, you know, kind of sprouted. One of the things that we've talked about here on the podcast uh, with entrepreneurs is I feel like within the entrepreneurial community, there's always this debate about to get an MBA or not get an MBA. Do you need an MBA? Maybe just do business and you'll learn along the way. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I do. I mean, I think both are both schools of thought have, have their merits. Um, I, I tend to believe that you know the more you can learn, the better. Um, there are a lot of things that you can learn as an entrepreneur that you, there's no better boot camp for learning business, but, um, you also don't learn a lot of the, the 
foundational elements of, um, of, of you know certain aspects of business. So you can, you're kind of forced to forced to learn a lot of these things yourself, which can get a little bit messy. Um, and you learn some practices that maybe are not 100% correct. I wanted to kind of fill in some of those gaps as, and you know uh, shore everything up as I kind of look to to get into other businesses. And um, I thought an MBA was was the best way for me to do that. So I'm curious about uh, the move from a clothing business to also including potentially a shoe line. How do, how do you think about additional opportunities? Are you looking at fashion trends? Are you listening to your customers? So what's your approach? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that we've been able to do is uh, with our biz- with our initial business was develop a great customer community. Um, and so listening to them, uh, you know, things that, that, you know, might be a market need for those customers. We already have built in people that wanted to buy certain products. So when we said, when we decided to introduce a shoe line, it was like, well, our customers are also buying shoes and they are really interested in a particular style of shoes. Um, so maybe we can offer that to them. Um, now you're obviously going outside of your own own customer base to acquire new customers for that particular brand, but it's a great place to start. Uh, and that was kind of how we looked at it. We had our own um, our, our own little kind of test community to to try new things, which is um, a, a pretty unique position, I think. Seems like it might de-risk some of the some of the choice. You exactly, know, you have people you can go directly to. Hey, we're launching a shoe line. Help us think about. Yeah. So instead of having to go straight to you know mass market, you can kind of start small, get your minimum viable product together with a group of people that you trust that are not going to you know they're not going to blow you up if it's bad. But um, uh, but no, it's it's a great place to to test test new things and and exactly de-risk your portfolio. So uh, you're. Early in the program, early days here, uh, you just completed your second weekend residency. You got exams on the horizon, your first set of exams. Thanks for reminding me. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how are things going? I, I always tell prospective students that this is, in some ways, the most intense time in the program as you're adjusting back to school and getting used to Darden and first sort of in-person components of the program. How, how's it going? It's going well. Um, it's definitely an adjustment having homework again. Um, that was certainly an eye-opener you know i've got buddies on my text chain saying hey do you want to go play nine holes and nope i've i've got class tonight um but uh but no it's it's been great it's it's really uh exciting to get back in the classroom and and, and learn um especially things that are or, or subjects that are really really interesting um i think that's one of the great things about the classes that we have is they're all uh applicable to things that you would go and use that week at work um so, you know, you're, you're engaged, uh, you're accountable, and then um, you can also immediately apply that knowledge uh, to whatever you're doing. So you started out with three courses, um, Global Economics, or what's called GEM, uh, Decision Analysis, or DA in the, in the parlance of Darden, as well as a Professional Advancement course with Connie Dunlop, um, or PAC as it is known. Uh, tough slate of classes, I would say, to start. Um, yeah, or at least that's the impression I get that these are some of the more challenging classes. What's your experience? Been? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I am kind of, you know, I, I like staying on top of kind of economic trends. Uh, so it was really kind of cool to, to add a different perspective to the things that I'd seen on whether it's CNBC or read in the Wall Street Journal or The Economist. Um, that it's been an, a really, really interesting class. Decision analysis was. Um, exactly the class that I feel like I needed right now, which was to kind of 
shore up some of your, you know, my Excel skills. Um, you know, extremely useful uh, tool, uh, and we're learning new ways to build models um, and test out uncertainties, which is, um, I mean, there's, there's really no line of business where you're not going to use that skill set now. Um, and the professional advancement class, which um, I know is a, um, I guess this is the first year that they've been uh, starting it as, as early in the program um, as they have, but it, I think it's, it's really a great place. You know, th- th- you, there's no better time to start thinking about your future than right when you start getting an MBA, because um, especially in an executive MBA, I think that the, um, the most that you can get out of it, I mean, you're, you're in your level of satisfaction with the program is directly tied to how well your career goes, you know, immediately after the program and then moving forward. Um, but really making you think about it early on, I think is, um, extremely valuable. Um, and it really kind of shapes your direction, or at least it's starting to shape my direction, um, as I kind of, you know, jump into this program. Yeah. It used to be in the middle of the program and kind of look at that and you wonder, I mean, I feel like there's a couple of reasons we ended up at that, at that place. Uh, you kind of want to let students settle in before you ask them all these big questions. But the more we thought about it, particularly with this desire to have more sequenced career related curricular programming and, and coursework, you kind of need to start there with people. And plus this is a professional decision, you know, the decision to come back to school at this particular juncture in your career. It's in service of, of career goals and, and, advancing your career and all these kinds of things. So it made a lot of sense to put it, put it up front and almost to a person when we've talked to, you know, graduates about, you know, some of the, some of the recent updates, uh, they're so envious that you get to have that class with Connie, who is universally beloved, uh, has been on the podcast, uh, for, um, early and to start some of that work and to start setting that plan and talking uh, with your classmates about what you want to do and hearing how they can be helpful to you. Yeah. Oh, it's been great. And I'm, um, so appreciative that you all made that switch because um, I've, I've already you know, started to kind of map some things out and have gotten in touch with the, some people in the Darden network and they've been um, incredibly open and, and willing to share their experience with me. So um, it's it's great to kind of plant that seed and, and get you to start start moving in the direction that you want to get to. So you mentioned homework was an adjustment. Um, school is generally an adjustment for everyone in this program. Um, even if someone has already done a, a master's program while working, uh, Darden has some unique aspects, right? All the reading, case discussions, all this kind of stuff. So um, how are you managing your time? You know, what's been your approach thus far? Any lessons learned along the way? Yeah. So my, my wife is also um, in the second year of, a, of an executive MBA program. So I got to see from her, you know, what the time requirements look like with, you know, while working full time. Um, so I didn't see a whole lot of her last year, but... Uh, so if I figured if I was not going to see her again for another year, I might as well try to do something similar. Um, but no, it's the, the, the time required. I mean, you, you definitely have to map out some, um, you know, okay, I've got to focus on some school stuff today. Um, and just you carve out some time in your day and, and you do it. Um, you know, I, I'm fairly comfortable setting my own schedule, being an entrepreneur, you know, there's a lot of autonomy and independence. Um, but with that comes a lot of responsibility to get everything you need done. Um, so I, I was able to, to fairly easily fit that into my schedule, but I know in talking with some of my classmates, it's been, been a lot of, lot of work to just kind of you know, either get up early or stay up late. And, uh, but you do, you just got to make the time to do the work because it is a lot of work. Um, but it's all, you know, it's all for a, for a, you know, th- there's a reason why we're all here and we want to learn. Um, so you, you're pretty motivated to do it. 
Yeah, and Darden is an incredible platform for learning. You get to not only read these cases and you know, maybe work with a small group to get ready for class, you also come to class and you get to hear how your classmates think about uh, about you know what you just read, uh, which may change your ideas and, and stretch stretch your learning. So I'm, I'm curious about what the class like, class experience has been like for you. Had you had case method before? Was that new? Yeah, I had not. It was actually one of the, the things that drew me to Darden. Um, you know, I, I think that they had a, a you know a statistic or, or a, a uh, early on in the in the program, where you know, if you, if you just read something, you have you know X percentage of, of retention. If you just hear something, you have another percentage of retention. But if you both you know he, you know hear it, learn it, and then say it, then you know the learning retention skyrockets. Um, and I, I think that that's uh, absolutely true. First off, um, but uh, the case method also keeps you accountable. I mean. You, there's a chance that you get cold called and, and the most terrifying thing is going and getting cold called and not being prepared. So it really does hold you, um, hold you accountable to doing your work and making sure that you're, you're ready to, ready to go when, when class starts and, and you're, you're you've got your full attention directed towards your classmates and the professor with the whole discussion. Um, it's great and I've, I've loved it so far. Have you enjoyed the weekend residencies? I know that those are pretty full days. Yeah, uh, they're they're really intense, um, very full days of classes, uh, but it's um, they're they're great. They're really a great experience because I think one of the um, the the best things about Darden um, is you know obviously everyone's you know smart and accomplished and um, and all of that, but I think everyone's they're all really good people. Um, and so just being able to get to know everybody uh, has been been awesome and, and kind of get to spend some time with them after classes talking about the course material or even something completely different, which is almost even even better. Um, but I think that's that's where you all in the admissions team really do a fantastic job of really building up the, the community of Darden because it, it does feel like we're, um, you know, there, there's a, an extra level beyond just your kind of personal accomplishments and, and how well you can kind of retain information. Well, something we think about, and I think one of the things that we thought about when we came here to the D.C. area is that we still wanted to maintain that residential feel. Right? In these weekend residencies, we knew that for local local folks, uh, Darden would become extremely convenient and accessible. It would present the opportunity potentially to you know, still be connected to your family or partner or significant other, your life outside of the outside of school. And, and we have tried to emphasize with students, you know, block out this time, you know, be present with your classmates you treat it like a business trip. Use the hotel. Lodging is included in the cost of the program so that everybody in your life knows, like, this is really important for you, too. And yes, you'll be home on Sunday. But, you know, while you're in residency, uh, be present with your classmates. Yeah, I live, you know, a six minute Uber ride from campus, but I still stay at the hotel every, or I have the last few few residencies and um it's been great to just get fully immersed in, in the program. I think that catches people by surprise, honestly. We, we actually get most questions from people like, do I have to use the hotel? Is there any way to not pay for the lodging? And we're like, you're going to want to use the hotel. I, I know it sounds strange, but um, it's helpful to the, the people in your life in terms of understanding what the residency means for your time and availability. There's also sort of a psychological benefit for you in that it signals to you that you're now in school, right, that you have kind of demarcated this space and you are, you know, in class mode and you're around your classmates who are obviously at the hotel. It makes all the social stuff a lot, lot easier, um, 
you had a pretty big big weekend uh, in terms of you know club night extracurricular activities on display on Friday and then the plus one event on Saturday so yeah couldn't agree more it's it's been great so um, what advice would you share with prospective students we, we ask all the current students this and may have been some lessons learned along yeah. the way uh, you know um, I mean I think in, in terms of you know making the decision to apply um, there really is no perfect time to do it um, so you just have to take the leap. Um, I think my best advice would be if you're really thinking seriously about it, just just do it. Um, the difference between letting an opportunity slip through your fingers and fully seizing it, um, I think, starts with committing fully and just doing it. Um, I'm, you know, I know we're so early on in the in the program, but I'm pretty confident that this is one of the best decisions I've I've made um, thus far in my my professional career. What are you looking forward to uh, when you think about the months ahead? You've got uh, you almost closed uh, almost closed out quarter one, uh, which leaves nine nine more quarters. Uh, but those will fly by, I promise. Yeah, uh, you know, I think you know, in, in tying into the professional advancement class that we're taking now, I'm really excited to to start making steps immediately towards advancing my career. Um, you know, I feel like I have every resource I need right at my fingertips, um, which is incredibly empowering. Um, to make the steps that, that I want to, to take um, to, for the rest of my career. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, the next two years, I've got a, I've got a full team behind me, um, and that's something that you're not going not gonna to get a whole lot of places. One of the things that we talk with prospective students about is if you are looking to do something different from a career standpoint, uh, it's a real luxury to be in the program and to have a professional advancement course. You have dedicated career advisors uh, here to support you sort of on the individual level. They also do programming. Uh, just this past Sunday, uh, there was a career uh, presentation. Uh, one of the things that they've done recently that I've really enjoyed is they have students share their story, their career story. We've had had some students talk about you know the career arc. Um, those are always fun. Uh, but then you also have, as you mentioned, the alumni network. Um, what what have those interactions been like with the alums? Uh, they've been awesome. I mean, you start from a place of um, familiarity because they've been through the program. They know uh, what you're going through, um, and they're almost they're they're excited for you because they. They enjoyed their their experience so much. Uh, I had lunch last week with um, a Darden EMBA from I think he was 2014. Um, you know, talking about some of his professional experiences that were uh, applicable to what you know I was thinking about doing. Um, and he was, you know, one he didn't need to to even talk to me, but he he you know instead of I offered to to hop on a call, and he said, "Why don't we grab lunch?" And so drove down to Richmond and, and we had a great meal. Um, and she was extremely open and, and helpful, uh, with all, all of my questions, which he had no obligation to do, but I think there was a, that certain level of, of, um, you know, connection to Darden, um, that, that opens folks up and, and, um, it's a really powerful network because, uh, you know, there, there's so many people who have accomplished so many great things that, are just worth talking to to open your mind and, and um, help you think about things differently. So you don't have a lot of classmates who work in the clothing business. Um, do you see that as, a, as an asset? Um, imagine a lot of your classmates are interested in what you what you do. Want to talk to you more about it? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm happy happy to talk with them about it. Um, 
but I also have a ton of classmates that are in equally interesting fields. And so, you know, I feel, you know, just as lucky to, to be around them and to learn from, from their experience. Um, cause you know, we're all, we're all in this together and, and, I, I um, I, I, and just, I'm, I'm, if, if folks think I'm interesting, that's really flattering, but I think they're just as interesting. <laughs> as a DC native, uh, there are not that many DC, uh, they exist, uh, but certainly feels a bit transient yeah. here at times. Yeah. I mean, you know, people have lived here for 15, 20 years, but I've got a couple more on them, which is rare. Do your classmates come to you for, for suggestions? Have you been able to share any, any tips or insights about the DC area? They, they They've asked me, but um, honestly, they probably have a better idea of what's cool and what's not in the city. Um, I, I can I can give them the names of a few restaurants that have since closed, but uh, <laughs> that's about all I got over them. <laughs> so, Reed, um, uh, coming back to your career goal, so you started a business. You, you obviously have helped take that business through some transformation. Uh, you mentioned an interest uh, in, in private equity. Um, how did you get interested in private equity? What appeals to you about that? So over the years, um, have had a couple opportunities to buy businesses that were in you know different states, whether they'd been mismanaged and the owner needed to sell them, or they were good businesses that um, would have complemented my own. Um, have gone down the the road of exploring what a, a uh, an acquisition looks like. Have gotten fairly close to, to doing it in. Is, hasn't happened for various reasons. Um, in doing that, uh, one, I, I, I loved the, the deal process, um, you know, of, of analyzing and um, kind of taking in the, the full scope of what, um, what each business can, can bring. I thought that my experience, having run, founded, and, and you know, started businesses uh, was a valuable uh, perspective to have uh, at the table that I was at. Um, but, uh, you know, and doing that, I, I really, you know, I enjoyed that and then also knew that we had not gotten, you know, gotten any across the goal line. Um, and I, I was able to see that there were a few things that I was missing in my analysis of those businesses that I could, um, I, I could learn how to do that if I had an MBA. Um, also, the, the, the fees of, um, you know, if, if you're outsourcing a lot of the, the um, uh, you know, the M&A diligence um, that can get really expensive. And so if you can do it yourself, you can save yourself a lot of money. Um, so from a cost, cost perspective, this is actually a fantastic deal for me. So it's, it's, I imagine with some, given your experience, it's gotta be fascinating to look at other people's, um, businesses and see, you know, how they're operating. Uh, I would think that would be incredibly interesting. It is. I mean, yeah, I could see, you know, if, if other folks who were you know, more financially inclined could see, like, well, well, why was this founder doing this? This is, this doesn't make any sense. I could kind of say, well, no, there, there actually is. Th- these are the the reasons why they might have gotten themselves into this mess. It's not a great place to be, but I could. I, they're not a bad person for having been there. Um, so I was able to kind of bring a little bit, uh, a little bit of that to the table, um, and it's extremely interesting to see, especially successful businesses, um, how they've, how they've achieved what they've achieved. And and you can, you know, whether or not you end up buying them, you can certainly learn a lot. I would think that many of the folks who work in that space, um, looking at these businesses don't have a background like yours. Your, your background would be fairly unique. Uh, I mean, I would think so, but you know, I'm still in the early process of finding that out. 
if I'm a business owner and I'm looking to sell, having you know someone across the table who understands, yeah, uh, would would be I think appreciated. Yeah, I, I think there's a certain level of connection that I've found um, certainly helps. You know, you're not you, you you've got a, a, a level of of kind of equality um, when you're sitting across the table from another founder. You kind of you know that they can understand where you're coming from and and vice versa. Um, whereas in a lot of other situations, you're just staring at a, a guy who's got a checkbook and, and is just looking to find anything wrong with what you've done. And uh, I would think there'd be a fair amount of empathy to your earlier point about being able to understand maybe the sequence of decisions that lead to a certain place, you know, having, having been there yourself, sort of maybe navigated some of those waters. Yeah, no, it, certainly. Um, and I think it, it removes a lot of the, um, the kind of personal doubt from the, you know, the other founder um, that you know, they know that they're they might not be in the best position, but um, as long as someone's looking at them as you know, uh, you know, with the assumption that they're a good person um, and they've done things with the best of intentions, um, they can be a little bit more open with you. Well, private equity is an interesting thing because it's not only sort of financial. There's also a management component, communications component. Sort of as you look at someone's business holistically, you think about enterprise perspective and all the things that, that you get here at Darden. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I've, I've I have a, a certain experience running a business, but um, there's there's a whole lot more out there and a lot of perspective that um, you know I'd love to have, um, and I'm I'm really excited to. Um, to, to gain that here, here at Darden, both in the classroom and, and learning from my classmates. Well, Reed, uh, thanks for taking some time here early on a, on a Tuesday. It's always great talking with you, and, and, and good luck in the, in the months ahead in the program. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. And that was my conversation with Reed Wall, an executive MBA format student in our class of 2021. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. And until next time, thanks for listening.